nerds, and welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you are locked in and tuned in to the 3FN Podcast. As always, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. This week, we are going to be celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Bruce Lee classic, Enter the Dragon. But before we get there, I'm your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here. First up, he is the man that after watching Enter the Dragon this week, decided to go out and break not one, not two, not three, but four boards in a row. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about Ron. I did him WWE style. I'd already had him pre-cut. You are <laughs> definitely the superhuman of this group. <laughs> and next up, he is the man that doesn't need an introduction, yet he has the longest introduction in all of podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Diesel Malenko, because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He's the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger-bearded feller. This is Diesel. How's my minnows doing today? I'm sure they're doing fine. Maybe even better than you. Probably. (laughs) Well, with that, Ron, how has been your week? Week was all right. Can't complain too much. Uh, It was uh, our local blues on the bridge, so I had overtime on Saturday for all that stuff, and... You know, it was just one of those things, set up things so cars can't ram through. <laughs> Put a garbage truck in the middle of the road. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> you know, pretty much all that stuff. Uh, but our Wednesday group finally finished off the Dragonlance campaign. I somehow survived. Nice. I don't know how Mavis, my half-elf paladin, survived. But she did. <laughs> By luck. <laughs> By nothing other than luck. Um, our, you know, new guy, Spider, you know, perished. And is dead. <laughs> So we lost. R.I.P. We lost one person. R.I.P. New guy. We we I don't know how it happened. How I you know DMs Grace or whatever. You know we shouldn't. We should not have all lived, but we did. So you know the campaign was fun. It was it was a grind at the end because you didn't have time. Like you better be prepared or you're not ready. And the final battle we were out of uh, spells and stuff real quick, and it was just like oh. And then there was another battle. You're like oh, we thought we were done. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> So, and I think that's where the DM gave us our grace and just said, yeah, well, he flies away. I'm like, all right, sweet. Because <laughs> I think we were all about to die. But other than that, that's pretty much all that's been. Well, Diesel, how has been your week? <laughs> really bad. <laughs> oh, okay. Work, both jobs has been really shitty. That's about about it. <laughs> right, well, sorry to hear that. Uh, of course, uh, my week was okay. Very tiring, very busy. So I can't say that I have had my head above water so much this week. Uh, I'm just kind of paddling, trying not to go under. Uh, although I did have a really nice dinner with uh, the promoters of Sci-Fi Horror Fest, planning out next year's event. And boy, oh boy, uh, hopefully sometime soon we can break some news. But I can't do it quite yet. Uh, and uh, it's kind of bother. It bothers me because it's great news. So for me, I'm super stoked and super excited to get that out. 
out there, of course. I mean, it's a little ways away, uh, but I can announce that August 28th through, uh, or sorry, August, October 28th through October 31st at midnight, so Halloween, uh, we are running the sale like we did last year. So uh, keep your eyes posted on the uh, Sci-Fi Horror Fest website, on uh, the social medias for Sci-Fi Horror Fest. And of course, we'll be sharing that here on the 3FN podcast, social medias, and our website as well. So just stay tuned into that. Uh, but outside of that, man, lots of work. I did get to watch some football with Ken M this weekend on Sunday, though. Nice. As the the as his Buffalo Bills slaughtered by uh, Las Vegas Raiders. At least I knew they were going to be crappy. But uh, you know, Diesel, I think you're safe for another year for no Bills, no Super Bowl. Oh, that was never a question. And I think I'm I'm halfway to where I think I need to be to be safe in my fantasy football league. I got two. Wi- well, I'll I'll be confirmed two wins tonight. I think I just need two more wins, and with my points four, there's no way I come in last. <laughs> there you go. I like it. I like it. He never responded to my video. I about <laughs> next year's. Well, with that, though, uh, I hope everybody else at home had a great weekend. I hope you guys uh, got to enjoy your families and friends and all that great stuff. And I hope you have a great week this week as well. But before we can jump into the show and get all that party started, we got to take care of some business. And that means some opening shameless plugs. Of course, if you would like to find out anything about the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Go over to 3FNPodcast.com, and there you can find all of our social media links, the Public link, the link to our Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get to support the show and get a ton of extra bonus content. Also, while you're there, check out the show pages for the 3FN Podcast and 607TWS, the wrestling show. That is the pro wrestling podcast I do with Ken M from the ODPH each and every week. Uh, go check that out. New episodes up now. Of course, if you want to find friends of the show, like the ODPH podcast, go to the Friends of the Show page and check them out. i got to add some more stuff soon because i got to add Nerd Initiative out there because we do the uh, wrestling show for them on Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Nerd Initiative YouTube channel. Come check out Wrestling Night Live, talking WWE and AEW with the fans and plus also Ken M. And this week we got our good friend Nerd Tween from the NI Wrestling Dojo on as well. So check that out if you're a pro wrestling fan. Also, while you're at the website, check out the musical directory featuring the bands who allow us to use their music copyright free so we don't get hit with those dreaded DMCAs. And let's give a shout out to the band that does our theme music every week. That is Shout at the Robots. Their song, Fail Better, is the song you hear at the beginning of every episode of the 3FN podcast. Make sure you support them and every other band that's on that musical directory via YouTube Music, Bandcamp, and Spotify. And last but not least, there's the sponsors section where you can check out the sponsors local and nationally that uh, support the show so we don't have to give you commercials during the show. Of course, first up, let's give a shout out to our good friends Rex to Rods Auto Detailing. If you are in the 607 and are ready to put the pride back in your ride, Diesel, who do you call? 607-644-3389. Tell them the 3FM podcast sent you. Next up, we have our good friends at Dubby Energy, the official energy drink of the 3FN podcast. Go to W.GG. D-U-B-B-Y.G-G and put in the promo code 3FNPOD. That's the number 3FNPOD at checkout for 10% off of every order. Also, you may have heard me mention it before. Check out SciFiHorrorFest.com for all the news coming up at Sci-Fi Horror Fest. Tickets and vendor spots will be going on sale very soon. And last but certainly not least, our good friends and our main sponsor, Dragon Master Games. For all your matches of gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web. DragonMasterGames.com I, I extended that a little bit there. I will th- say this, though. 3FNPodcast.com if you've got anything you said. 
because I gotta, I gotta get in the groove. Uh, before we start the show, it's been a little while since we've said this, so I'm gonna go ahead and make a, a small statement uh, before we get into Diesel's movie triple stuff. So, once again, the SAG after WGA uh, strike is still ongoing, uh, which is really fucking gonna fuck with some TV and stuff. So, you know, hopefully the studios pay the actors and the writers what they're due and, and stop the bullshit because it is not unrealistic what they're asking for. Uh, let's just throw it out there. We are supporters of what SAG AFTRA and WGA are asking for from the studios. So, uh, we are not on the side of the AMPTP. That's a that's rough to say. Say that five times fast. We are definitely on the side of SAG-AFTRA and the WGA. But you say, Rich, you guys are still doing some movie reviews. That is because we are journalists and critics, and are we are not under any kind of ban or strike. And the, the reason here is basically simple: as this is we've never taken money from the studios. We've never gone to any premieres. We've never gone to any uh, screenings of any kind of sort of seeing anything early. We don't get sent screeners. We don't accept anything and never have and never will because there's a reason why we don't do it because I don't like it to cloud the judgment as much as we might joke in the, about, hey, you can buy us off. In a lot of ways, we like to be honest and upfront with everything we do, hence why we don't accept it. And let's be honest, most of the people who accept that shit accept like smaller things. And I'm not watching shit Netflix shows uh, in movies just because somebody sent me a screener. That's not a shot at anybody that does it. Uh, if you took it that way, then I mean, that's, that's on, on you, you, not on me. Yeah. I'm just pointing out that's not for us at the 3FN podcast. As simple as that. But this is something we've loved to do, and we've loved to do it since day one. Call us greedy, call us whatever. If that makes it, if that offends you, I'm sorry. If that offends you that we still do it and we're not boycotting with SAG after and, and WGA, I'm sorry. I mean, if that costs you listening, I apologize. But I don't think that you know if it doesn't. And I'm sure some of you out there, even on the other end, going, I don't even know why you're announcing this. I just want to make it clear because there's been some people saying things about different people. And it is what it is. If sag After chooses to never work with me because I did a movie review about the 50-year-old movie called Enter the Dragon, then that's fine. I wasn't going to be an actor or trying to join anything anyways. I didn't want interviews with anybody anyways. I don't, you know, but here's the thing. Go after IGN and comicbook.com and everybody else and not the little guy. So I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think that there's a lot of people with self-inflated egos who think that they're, they're more important than they are in the realm, and that's why they tend to be a little more active and vocal about certain things, and it's on both sides. But once again, I will say we've supported SAG-AFTRA and WGA from the beginning. As a matter of fact, the links to their donations are in our description to every single podcast that has been out since the uh, strikes started. So if you would like to donate money and put your money where your mouth is, Go ahead and do that at those donation sites. Uh, it's nothing that's come at me, but I've heard other people get people talking smack to. The only reason we don't care about it because we don't deal with anybody on the internet about dumb shit. So, as most of you guys who have listened to us for a while know, if you're new, I'm sorry if that's an offensive thing to you, but obviously you wouldn't be listening to a movie podcast if it was bothering you. Am I, am I incorrect in thinking that, Diesel? Oh, God, no. So, so once again... To be clear, we do stand with SAG-AFTRA and WGA, but we are also critics slash journalists, and we are not on strike. So therefore, and we don't take or never have taken money from any studio, from and definitely never taken anything from an AMPTP studio, and we haven't taken anything from anybody else. So, and we're not covered in this. Nope. Just saying. And I rest easy on it. So if you are offended and you have a problem and anybody's on their high horse, that's fine. Just <laughs> hit me up in private, I guess. Or if you want to make a big deal about it, do it. Uh, but I, I'm just answering that because there has been some stuff going around for other independent podcasters. We're independent. You know, we're not being paid. <laughs> like, like, I don't know what to tell you guys. 
Go after WG. Uh, go after ComicBook.com and IGN. Go after those big places that still won't care because they do get paid. Yeah. <laughs> but yet they continue on because once again it's a journalistic thing. So it is what it is. So there it is. There you have it. Just want to let it out there. So. And also, once again, if you feel strongly, support. The donations are in the links for the podcast. Now that we've gotten that business out of the way, and I feel like uh, I didn't, shouldn't have had to do that, but I feel like we just had to for whatever reason. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time to move into the fun portion of the show, so we're going to kick it right on over to... Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back to Diesel's Movie Triple Stuff. Pretty quiet box office this week. Not a lot of uh, people going out this week. Coming at number five for its ninth week, pulling another four million domestically, though. Barbie. It'll never die. <laughs> Coming in at number four for its second week on the list, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 with $4.7 million. Diesel's gone to see it five times. I'm responsible for that point seven. <laughs> number three, we have The Equalizer Part 3 coming in with another $7.2 million. Ron is responsible for at least 1.2 of that. <laughs> Denzel Washington. <laughs> Debuting this week at the number one at the number two spot, a haunting in Venice with fifteen million dollars. You know, and ironically enough, I think we could have gone and seen that because I found out it was a murder mystery and not a horror film. Diesel, ah, ah yeah, whatever. We weren't going anyways. And then staying at the number one spot, the Nun Two, also with fifteen million dollars. And the Nun Two, from what I heard, is still jump scare of the movie. So I'm glad I chose that because just uh, I just didn't like the first one. So that's just me. All right, so Diesel, what is coming up in the box office? All right, well, we have one big release this week, and that's what we'll be talking about next week, Expendables. That's right, Expendables 4 will be going down as your 3FN Movie Club review next week. Uh, the following week on September 29th, we got a couple bigger movies coming out. Paw Patrol, the mighty movie. I know Diesel's real excited about that. <laughs> uh, the Creator. I've uh, mixed things on that. It's either going to be real good or real bad. And then the big one, Saw X. Which will be that week's 3FN Movie Club review. That'll be done by me and Ron. And even though Diesel said he'll sit in on the review, but he shan't be Ron. watching the movie with me and Ron. And I know that me and Ron are actually really excited for that movie. Yes. I, 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 everything that I see, it gets me a little more excited. I don't yeah. know why. It might fail and it might throw us down the wrong road, but fuck so, it. It's gonna so be far it got me, so I'm, I'm in. I'm all the way in. And Diesel, now that we're through the box office stuff, it is now time for the signature move. What is this week's top three? All right. In honor of the 50th year of Enter the Dragon, what are your top three favorite action sequences? You know, you could have gone a lot of ways. And once again, we got to start preparing earlier and putting the shit on the internet. <laughs> uh, but, you know, hey, whatever. Uh, we did it between the pre-show. So I was like, hey, I can I can come up with three random out of my ass all day long because in the history of movies, and I love action films. Movies or TV? <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, I'm just going to go with movies. But in the history of fucking movies, and I love, actually, no, that's a lie. I'm going to go with one TV show, but technically it was a Netflix show. Uh, but uh, there's a ton of great ones. So I'm going to start with my number three. My number three was the, from the movie Swordfish. It's the opening bank heist. Oh, nice. That's with all the ball bearings that go off. That's pretty pretty intense. It's really cool. My number two is going to be from the Daredevil television show, The Hallway Scene. Uh, that's an amazing one-shot hallway scene. If you guys remember it, it's great. Shit's going on everywhere. And my number one, because I am a mark for comic book movies still, is going to be the final battle in Endgame. Nice. I think that's one of the best 
put together fights in a movie of all time. Uh, even even the stuff that normally would feel forced in a lot of fights didn't feel forced in that movie. So I enjoyed that a lot. Ron, yes. what's your top three? Uh, number three is uh, Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves, the final battle in that. Okay, it, it it gives you the real feel of like D and D game too when you're playing and how things you know work. Uh, number two, I'm going with a bank heist, but in heat. Ooh, running he was down, good. Running down the stream. Now, this is where it comes, Diesel. You're almost close. But this is a twofer. But it's Transformers, the first movie. The end fight scene, but the animated movie, which was the first fight scene, <laughs> because they linked in the same speech from both. All right. So. There you go. And Diesel, what's your top three? All right. Coming at number three, we got the uh, pikey bare knuckle fighting at the end of Snatch. Nice. Ooh, really good. Really good. Uh, coming in at number two, we're going TV, and we are going with actually something very recent: the Ahsoka, Anakin Skywalker from Episode Five of Ahsoka. So good. Yeah, without spoilers. Okay, yeah, no, no spoilers for some people. And then number one, we are staying in the Star Wars universe, and we are staying in TV: Obi Wan versus Darth Vader in the uh, season finale of Obi Wan the TV show. Very good. Nice. I, it's, uh, you're, you definitely are enjoying those uh, Star Wars TV shows on Disney+. Plus. Oh, right now it's the only thing that keeps me oh, going. Dude, Soka's so good. <laughs> you know, I have not caught up on it completely, so do not spoil it. No, no, I'm not saying more. Because uh, I've, been, I've been very busy with other things. But yes, I've heard nothing but good things from everybody around me. I even have to cut out from parts of the ODPH podcast because uh, they did a, their first entertainment edition in a little while this past week, and I had to skip because I was like, I haven't seen that yet. So <laughs> we're going to skip past that because I don't want it ruined for me. So with that being said, fine folks. That is going to do it for this week's edition of Diesel's Movie Triple Stuff. But when we exit the triple stuff, we enter right on into... Welcome to... 3FM's Movie Club. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please, keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember... Gift certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show. All right, folks. That is now time for the 3FN Movie Club Review. And, of course, this week we are reviewing the 50-year-old movie because this is 50th anniversary the Bruce Lee classic, Enter the Dragon. And of course, if this is your first time listening to the 3FN podcast, or you need a reminder, we're going to give you a quick rundown. But if it's your first time, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully we didn't scare you away with my little message uh, uh, there about the whole uh, strike stuff. But if you've made it this far, I'm assuming you're all right and you're cool and you want to party with us and talk about Enter the Dragon. But we do things a little differently here because sometimes uh, when we do the new movies, we have two sections. We have a, you know the spoiler-free section and the spoiler-full section, and we separate them by a break just to make it easier. But when we do older movies, and this I think classifies because it came out in 1973, what we do is we don't split into two different sections. We still keep it a spoiler-free section and a spoiler-full section. We just don't do the break in the middle because we going to go right from uh, Diesel's synopsis, spoiler-free synopsis, into the stats of the movie, including you know what, how much money it made, the you know who made the movie, who starred in the movie, and then if it was a new movie, we would go into the thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down, spoiler-free uh, recommendation. But here we don't do that. We just go. We give you a warning, and now we're going to do the review. So that way, if you don't want a 50-year-old movie spoiled, 
which is a little hard, uh, then you know to dip out and come back after you've seen it because then we just go right into the review. Giving After the little bone work of uh, what happens in the movie, we then turn around, give our likes, dislikes, before playing the game to find out the scores from around the internet and finally giving our scores the end out. The 3FN Movie Club Review. So there you go. There's your ride. So if you, if you don't want the movie spoiled from 1973 when we tell you to turn it off turn it off <laughs> and come back after you watch enter the dragon which you've sorry should have already watched enter the dragon at least once in your life because i'm just gonna throw that out there maybe that'll spoil a little something something but now that we've gotten all the rules and particulars out of the way diesel i believe man i got a story to tell a shaolin monk is recruited by nondescript government agency to infiltrate han's tournament of fighting to take down his narcotics ring. There you go. There you go. I, 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 that's a good one. I mean, there's other stuff, but obviously, oh, I like how you go into it. Or I was thinking Kumate. Kumate. But that was a conversation we had off air. Yes. <laughs> uh, Frank Dukes got that story from somewhere. <laughs> and it appears to be Enter the Dragon. Yes. Uh, so, Enter the Dragon was released on August 19th of 1973 with a runtime. There's three different runtimes. The original version of this movie was 86 minutes long. Uh, and then the two cuts of the movie that have come out on the 40th and the 50th anniversary are 99 minutes and 102 minutes, respectively. I think we probably all watched the 99 yes. minute version because the 99 minute version is the one that is the most popular. The one that has the extra three minutes is really nothing that important. And that's on the, I do believe, the new 50th anniversary Blu-ray. Uh, with that being said, the budget of this movie was estimated to be at $850,000. Think about that. Major Hollywood function for $850,000. Uh, now, here's where this is weird. For some reason, IMDb and by proxy, Box Office Mojo kind of botched the box office for this movie because every other research we did came up with different things because for some reason they have it listed as doing 25259 domestically and 114252 worldwide at the box office. However, on its initial release, Enter the Dragon made a, an estimated $200 million in the worldwide box office, including I think it was like 25 or $30 million in the United States. And over the releases that would subsequently come throughout the 1970s, because back then they would bring out movies and keep coming out of it, it ended up making $400 million in the worldwide box office, making it one of the top ratioed most profitable movies of all time. Because $850,000 was all it cost, and it made $400 million. And even if you don't adjust that for inflation, but when you adjust it for inflation, it comes in as like being this amazing yeah. like profit cow, if you will. So that's why it's one of the, you know, I believe that number reading it from other places is $400 because we got to remember, this is what launched the martial arts craze in the United States. Yes. Was Enter the Dragon in 1973. After this, everybody started watching kung fu films. Everybody started watching everything. And that was one of the goals of Bruce Lee. Unfortunately, we'll talk about how Bruce Lee didn't get to enjoy that goal. So with that being said, now that we know uh, the stats of the movie and the synopsis, it's time to find out who made this shit. That's right. Who made this shit? First of all, it was directed by Robert Klaus. Uh, Robert Klaus, uh, first movie, Darker Than Amber in 1970. He would also direct Black Belt Jones, which would star another star from this movie. The Ultimate Warrior, and I'm not talking about Jim Helwig, uh, the movie The Ultimate Warrior with uh, Yul Brenner. Yep. Uh, Game of Death, which was the last Bruce Lee film, which we'll talk about that in a minute when we talk about Bruce Lee films. And uh, also he did a movie that we all know from the 1980s and love, Jim Cotta. Remember Jim Cotta? <laughs> it was a terrible <laughs> martial arts movie. February 4th, 1997, unfortunately, we lost the great director Robert Klaus. Uh, he died at the age of 68. 
Next up, screenplay was written by, primarily by Michael Allen. Uh, his first movie was Enter the Dragon, but he would come back and, uh, re- and do a movie called Truck Turner, which I know our good friends over at The Pint have recorded at one point in Juncture, so uh, check that out. And also, he was the, uh, the writer of Flash Gordon, the 1980s oh, Flash oh, Gordon nice. movie. Nice. And, of course, Bruce Lee had a part in writing this as well. Uh, the only other two writing credits he had was The Way of the Dragon in 1972 and Game of Death. Uh, the director of photography for this film was Gil Hubbs. Uh, Gil Hubbs' first movie was The Hellcats in 1968. He also directed the original movie, The Wrestler, in 1974. And Diesel, for you, he directed Flowers in the Attic. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Remember that movie yeah. from the 80s? Uh, by the way, biggest thing he was known for, uh, he was he was the uh, the, the cinematographer, wow, I'm drawing a blank here, for uh, Murphy's Law. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. Uh, next up. We got it. The uh, composer, the composer of this movie was Lalo Schifrin. And we talked about him a couple weeks ago because he's also the composer for the Rush Hour franchise movie, did Rush Hour. And uh, now you know why some of the music sounds similar, but he did a ton of great music. We're not going to go back through it. If you go listen to that, you can do the deep dive on him because, geez, it was just going to be a long time because he is a great, great composer. Now that we know who made the movie, it is now time to find out who starred in it. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? Of course, it stars the late, great Bruce Lee, playing the character of Lee. Uh, Bruce Lee's first movie was The Birth of Mankind in 1946. Uh, He would also be in the movies The Big Boss, Fist of Fury, and Game of Death, which was his last film. Uh, By the way, Bruce Lee passed away on July 20th in 1973 at the age of 32. And if you didn't figure that out, that was almost exactly a month before Enter the Dragon came out. Yeah. So he was—he uh, passed away before this movie was released. And Game of Death would come out in 1978. And uh, the director of this movie, uh, Mr. Robert Klaus, would take footage from that movie and a couple other movies and shoot some things to put out Bruce Lee's last movie. Uh, that's how that came about. That's why I figured I'd mention it when I mentioned Bruce Lee. Uh, next up, John Saxon played Roper in this movie. His first movie, and it was uncredited, A Star is Born in 1954. So the original version of A Star is Born, which has now been remade like four times. Uh, he was also in Black Christmas in 1974. And, uh, of course, most people know him from his role as uh, Nancy Thompson's father in Nightmare on Elm Street. He was in Nightmare on Elm Street Parts 1 and 3. He was also in Beverly Hills Cop 3. He was also in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, reprising his role in a way and also acting as himself. And uh, one of the last movies he did was From Dust Till Dawn. Oh, nice. as well. Unfortunately, we lost the late, great John Saxon on July 25th of 2020 at the age of 83. One hell of a run for John Saxon. Great career. He's done a ton of extra stuff but yeah it's always funny he went from doing like those teen movies you know from like the 50s and stuff you know what i'm talking about to the war movies to the westerns to the kung fu flicks to the horror flicks it's kind of an interesting trajectory for john saxon and last but not least on the deep dives we got jim kelly who plays williams and contrary to what this movie says that it's the debut of him his actual real movie debut was a movie called melinda in 1972 okay uh black belt jones remember robert claus directed it he would star in black belt jones he was also in three the hard way black samurai and a few others he was big in the black exploitation era and jim kelly's a hell of a fucking fighter so i wish we would have seen him in more unfortunately we lost the late great jim kelly on june 29th of 2013 at the age of 67. Uh, we're going to do some quick cursory characters giving shout outs because, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, playing Tanya was Anna Capri. Uh, Anna Capri uh, was in Piranha okay. on top of this movie. Nice. So that's a pretty good run. Uh, playing the lean villain of this movie, 
uh, Han would be Kian Shi. And Kian Shi was in uh, Rivals of Kung Fu and a bunch of other Kung Fu movies. Uh, this was one of his, his only American movies that he did. Uh, Robert Wall played O'Hara, and O'Hara was a piece of garbage, wasn't he? But we also <laughs> would see him in the, he was also in The Way of the Fist, or sorry, The Way of the Dragon. Uh, he was in Game of Death. Uh, he did a lot of Bruce Lee flicks. He did a lot of uh, other flicks as well as far as martial arts stuff over the years. And he was also on Walker, Texas Ranger Bunch. <laughs> uh, playing uh, Su Lin, uh, Angelo Mao was played Su Lin, which is a very small role because that is uh, the role of Bruce Lee's sister in this movie. Uh, she was a, a Kung Fu legend in Kung Fu movies. Uh, also, speaking of a Kung Fu legend in Kung Fu movies, Betty Chung played Mai Ling. Uh, Betty Chung was also the mistress of uh, Bruce Lee. I just want to throw that out there. It did, did well for himself. And, of course, we can't do a shout-out here without shouting out probably the person that is known the best, Bolo Young. <laughs> playing Bolo in this movie. And, of course, you also know him from playing Bolo in or playing Bolo in the movie Bolo. He played Bolo in the movie uh, Sudden Impact. He was in Diamond Cartel. He was in Double Impact. And, most importantly, he was the main villain of Bloodsport playing Chung Lee. Uh, so we all love some Bolo. By the way, Bolo's <laughs> real first name was not Bolo. Uh, he changed that after the after this movie. A good change, by the way. <laughs> Just because people knew who he was. Are you telling me Mr. T's first name isn't Mr. and his last name's not T? No, 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 no. <laughs> and also, don't ask him to do a Hall of Fame speech. Ask WWE how that went. Ooh. He was on there for 10 days. I think it's still going on. So with that, that brings us to who starred in the movie. Now, we are going to give you one warning here. We are going to jump into our full review of the film. So if you've not seen 1973's Enter the Dragon and you don't want a 50-year-old movie spoiled, this is time for you to stop the podcast watch the movie and then come back and listen to the rest of this after but if you've seen the movie or just don't care about it being spoiled because it is 50 years old stay tuned because we are going to talk about all the spoiler stuff right now uh you know what we do we go over the skeleton stuff real quick and i want to get this out of the way real quick i am a big big kung fu film martial arts fan uh, it's right up there in my loves with kaiju films. Uh, there's there's just there's something about it. You know, there's certain movies that I just love. Horror movies, especially schlacky ones I love. And I love kung fu flicks. And I love, uh, guy, uh, you know, kaiju films. And, and the thing is, in those movies, you kind of expect a little bit of schlackiness. And so if you're like, Rich, you're not as hard on this as normal. I'm just going to tell you it's because it's in my wheelhouse. Yeah. And this is like the stuff that I love. And I understand that this movie is not going to be perfect because it's a kung fu flick. And kung fu flicks have never been perfect. And that's good. Uh, just so you guys know. So there's a little departure. And I have love for this movie. Just throwing it out there. I, I, it, it can be swayed by love. So anyways, we picked this movie up right away. And I, I got to be, be honest. I like the fact that this movie opens semi-hot. Yes, <laughs> we get to see uh, and by hot. I'm talking about what Bruce Lee and the young man that he's uh, uh, fighting against are wearing. I'm just saying speedos and, 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 and kick pads. That's all the sexy. And you knew damn well that guy was going to lose. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, he's not being Bruce Lee. That's crazy. But uh, anyways, you, you kind of find out your background story. This is at the Shaolin Monk Temple. You find out, you know, what you need to know. This guy's coming from, as Diesel put it, some undescript. <laughs> undescript agency they don't ever say they don't work for a country according to him later in the in the in the movie but they uh get information they acquire information which governments will pay for 
So anyways, uh, they re- recruit him because he's been invited to this tournament that Han is throwing on his private island. And we'll find out more about that in a second. But in the meantime of him getting pitched this, he just walks away from this guy to go have a little training session with some young students who he ends up smacking upside the head, which is hilarious, multiple times, including, look at this, like following the finger to the moon. He smacks him on the head. Stop staring at the finger. You're missing the world around it. It's like some real, there's some real Bruce Lee-isms yeah. in this motherfucker. You got to love it, because if you ever heard Bruce Lee in, a, in any kind of interviews, he liked to speak in parable. Yeah. And then, so you get that in this, and I, I, I dug it for that reason. And then, after all this, you finally get title card. Enter the dragon. And uh, we beat back up with this inspector, or whoever the fuck he is, and Bruce Lee. And at this point, Juncture, did you get the feeling that Bruce Lee was a cop, the way he was dressed and talking to him? I did not get that vibe, but I got the, like, he, he's sitting there and he's all all suited up, and he's just like, kept getting offered a drink. He's like, no. He, no. he came off as that, I'm better than you. He was <laughs> CM Punk before CM Punk. I love the fact that all of a sudden he's like, you can eat anything? He's like, guns, guns. You could just do this with guns. And he's like, no, no, no. He doesn't, he, Han doesn't trust guns. There's an accident. We find out later what, what happened. But <laughs> kind of. They never really say it. So now we get this really cool montage. Like, they don't waste time, like, giving you backstories of our three main characters. Your three main characters in this movie are Lee, Roper, and Williams. They are your three main characters on the good guy side, if you will. And they don't waste time. Instead, while they're getting boated by hand, like gondola yeah. even, to the boat that's going to take them to this island... Each one of them gets a little flashback montage. We got the little wavy screen. And listen, I, dude, I dug it for some reason. <laughs> so we got we got Lee's first, and, and, and I'm going to jump into this. So basically, we find out that I'm assuming the guy in the chair talking to Lee was his father. Because he's, uh, he's talking about his sister and his mother, and he says, well, about three years ago when this thing happened, is when me and your sister were in town, and Lee's like, I didn't know this. And he basically breaks down the fact that uh, some of the thugs and the goons from... Uh, Han's men uh, basically were going to try assaulted him and Bruce Lee's sister and they were trying to rape her is what I think the instruction was and instead of getting raped she just killed herself and before then though the old man cut the eye of the one guy that's how we know O'Hara is the guy because he got his eye cut by the dad how'd you get that scar from eating pussy. Uh, yeah, well, technically trying. <laughs> well, he might have, he he might have, have completed. He might have been insane, you know. But it was just kind of... The, my whole point about that part of the movie, and it's not against it, I just don't get, like, the fe- the killing fact. So what I didn't get was why that was even in there, because we find out after the fact that he agrees to go to do this, but it's not because of that reason. He's... Oh, he agreed before this because this is what yeah. he found. He found this out after because remember yeah. he goes because his father says well, I'm assuming it's his father because then he says pay your Old respect man. to your pay respect. That's what they list him as, but yeah. it's like he pay respect to your mother and your sister when you're in the city is what he tells him. Yeah. But he, he already agreed to do this because that's what the old man says. He's like, oh, you know, I'm glad that you agreed to go. And then he tells him the yeah. story. Oh, yeah. By the way, your sister died three years ago after being assaulted and she took her own life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait, what? What? Thanks. But that's not needed because we've already moved the plot forward with Lee saying that he's going to go to this thing and do the work for the government. It does It does get a callback later on, though. Cause, <laughs> yes. Because yes. we'll talk about that in a second. So they, they did kind of set up that callback. So now it goes to Roper. And Roper... I guess he's a he's would call a chronic gambler, kind of a con man, a shyster, and he's betting on golf and he has to go get his ball and then he runs into some mobsters that I guess he owed money to and he proceeds to kick their ass and then goes back to his thing to his assistant. He can't really pay and goes, 
uh, you know, did you get me on those flights to Hong Kong so I can go to this tournament? Basically, he's fleeing for yeah. money reasons. Yes. And then we go to Williams. And, and Williams uh, goes in and he goes, you see him go to his karate studio and he talks to his sensei. And then you see him walking down the street. And of course, the cops in Los Angeles harass him because he's a black man on a Friday. And that is like it, it, it's true. And even back then, so it's the cops are like, "Cops, stop him! Where are you going?" And you know they drop some racial slurs on him. But on top of all of that, they take his passport. And what gets them mad is that his passport has tickets. Where are you going? Where you? Where do you think you're going? So he, they drop some bad. slurs. A oh, Hong Kong. Well, I've never been to Hong Kong, so you're not going to Hong Kong so either. Hong Kong by way of Hawaii. Oh yeah. Oh, well, never, why were you going to Hawaii, boy? I've what never. I've, I've <laughs> never been there. So these cops are going to try to assault him and take him to jail. He ends up fucking them up and stealing their cops. Car. And I'm all right with that, by the <laughs> so way. By the way, out of all three of them, that was my favorite one. I'm just like, fuck yeah, steal that cop car too. So he got a, he got, he, and he turned, by the way, he turned the sirens on to go to the fucking airport. I liked it. Mm. I liked it a lot. So now they're all on the boat and we find out that Roper and Williams knew each other from Vietnam. Yep. Yep. So they're friends, they're buddies, and there's all these other badasses on the boat. We get one of the first ones, which I think is funny. Once again, a Bruce Leeism here. Uh, this one guy's picking on the help and everything, and he comes over and he's trying to make Bruce Lee flinch, and Bruce Lee's like, and he goes, "What what style of fighting are you, huh? I, I am the art of fighting without fighting." And he goes, he goes, "Yeah, well, I want to know how that works. Well, I can show you some other time. I'm busy right now." Oh, no, no, you're going to show me now. So Bruce Lee goes, okay, well, there's this boat. There's not enough room on here. There's a boat here, though. We can go over to that island, and I can. we have a lot of room over there. So the guy agrees. So, of course, the idiot gets in the boat, and Bruce Lee just sets him off. <laughs> and then lets the kids, like, mess with the rope yeah. as, as the guy's getting soaked and drenched. So it was it was funny because it's like Bruce Lee outsmarted him, hence the art of fighting without fighting. No. So we get to the island, and, man, Ron, what is this island like? It's uh, just one big giant setup of debauchery and drugs and it's a fortress uh, it's with a, ninjas. ninjas yeah like it's just in debauchery going it's on. essentially fantasy island you have everyone's there eating and our, our heroes are kind of like side eye and everything because they're just like <laughs> i don't know if i should eat here they're waiting for the other food to drop yeah because yeah. like bruce lee at one point director calls roper over with his eyes and he's like why are you uneasy he's like i'm yeah. not because he's trying to let on but then he recently goes over to williams and goes we need to keep our eyes open because there's something going on. Yeah, and then they fi- then they finally realize that they're being fattened up. Oh well, that's what he says. He yeah. says I think they're fattening us up, fattening so, us up for the kill. Yeah, but you know you have all these entertainers there. You have acrobats. You have sumo guys that are just wrestling in the middle of the room. You have all this food and drink flowing. It looks like Fantasy Island. Like this is where you go for your heart's content. By the way, Williams is like me. He saw some of that food and was like, Nah, I'm not eating this shit. <laughs> I might be hungry, but I ain't eating this shit. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, Han, this is when we first see Han. He comes out and basically invite, you know, uh, welcomes everybody. And then his assistant, which uh, she goes around and she takes, we only see our hero's room. I'm assuming everybody. Yeah. But she goes to our hero's room, starting with Williams. And she uh, takes in some ladies. And uh, this is a gift. And I like Williams' take on this because Williams is like, I'll take her and her and her. Oh, and her too. And for the rest of you ladies, do not take this as an insult. But I'm kind of tired from traveling, <laughs> so I can't handle you all. And I was just like, yes, he's, he's, he's a god. Like, you got to love this guy. Yeah. And they go to rope, or well, they go to Bruce Lee's room next. And Lee is sitting in there and he goes, I'm not interested in that because he knows he's seen the picture of the girl that they've infiltrated, this Maddie Ling. So he goes, whoever spit this dart 
I want that girl. And he's like, she's like, I know the one you're talking about. I'll send her right up. And then she finally goes into Roper's room, and Roper's been giving her the eyes the whole time. So Roper's like, I think I've already chosen. She goes, you've chosen wisely. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we get to see her nice and naked. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, you know, basically we have some debauchery going on, but Lee is there to work. So Lee ends up using his time to try to sneak around and find this entrance into wherever they're keeping drugs, prisoners, yeah. guns, because he doesn't really know. They know they're doing something there, but they just don't know. That's why he's there to get information. And as he goes out, he uh, encounters some people. He's not very stealthy for being somebody who's a kung fu artist. What are you talking about? He would get behind somebody and hide behind a vase and then hide in the shadows. Yeah, but when that didn't work, he just beat him up and threw him down. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, chop. <laughs> in the process, like, the, the first uh, we missed the first day of the tournament because he does this after the first day of the tournament. The first day of the tournament is kind of fun because we have Williams uh, fighting and uh, Roper's taking bets. Yep. And, of course, they win. And then they're trying to, you know, scam this old guy that's betting on the fights. So Roper's taking some punches so he can get his odds up. And once he gets them up, he beats the shit out of the guy and wins. But he has to take some punches. He looks real disappointed. I think it's a whole funny scene because he's just shaking his head. He's like, <sighs> keeps looking over at Williams. He's like, no, nope, we ain't got the we ain't got the the right odds yet. Keep keep taking a header. <laughs> keep taking some dives, man. So then we can skip to this. They get he gets ends up getting into the thing, but gets doesn't get much information because the people get alarmed. Now at the same time, Williams just happens to go outside for some air because he wants to bask in the moonlight. He wants to do his cut in the moonlight, and one of his ladies says, hey, it's not allowed. you got to stay inside. He's like, nah, baby, i got to go be in the moonlight. Yeah, he's basically like, yeah, nobody tells me what the fuck to do. And I like that. I respect that. But somehow, the next day, basically Han's like, well, somebody didn't like our hospitality. They snuck around the compound. So now, my guard, and, and that's fine. We'll figure out who it was. But my guards, they failed. So now, they got to pay for their failure. So he sends Bolo after them. And Bolo proceeds to kill these four guards pretty brutally. <laughs> I think he crushes one spine, like, just folding him up. The other one, he's, like, like breaks this, like, pulls his neck back yeah. almost like a, like, it snaps his neck. It's crazy. Yeah. Bolo does Bolo things. And then the, the last kill, though, yeah, he's, he's not, like, doing anything to the guy's neck. He's, like, folding him in half. Like, like a chair. <laughs> he's folding this guy in fucking half. So next thing you know, we get the fights back on for that day. And Bruce Lee... A.K.A. Lee, sorry. Just Lee. Yeah, just Lee. But, you know, yeah, he is going to get a fight against O'Hara. And now this is the guy who forced basically the hand of his sister to kill herself. He knows this. So he is fucking dude up. Not to mention Bruce Lee. Like, it's funny because they go, go, and he just smacks the guy. Like, it's like super quick. And he yeah. does it. He does that three times in a row. Yep. You're just like, fucking, he's showcasing Bruce Lee. Yeah. And the fight is great, by the way. Fight choreography is great. And we get to a point where finally, you know, he kind of takes him out with a super nice kick. And then the treachery is shown by O'Hara as he grabs two glass bottles, smacks them together. And he's out of it. So he ain't really a threat to nobody. <laughs> Which Bruce Lee then proceeds to hit him with a nice kick before a flying stop to end his life. <laughs> with the... It goes on for five minutes. I, dude, I don't give a fuck. I love it. Completely every muscle is just flexed. You can see every muscle twitching, and it's fucking, it's classic Bruce Lee, it dude. It's, it was, uh, dude, I, I I knew it was coming. I marked out for it. And, of course, like, the one guy goes over and checks the pulse, and he looks over at the uh, hot, and he gives a little, uh, yeah, he's done. He's done. And he's just like, O'Hara's treachery has, has dishonored us, and they walk away. So now they call Williams into Han's office because they think Williams was the guy out there fucking doing what Bruce Lee was doing. 
And it wasn't. So anyways, he gets slick. Williams is like, I don't think I want to be on your island anymore. And he sends people and he's like, you know what? You're straight out of a comic book. <laughs> I love that fucking line, by the way. And uh, he, he proceeds to kill the henchman. But uh, he runs into a problem. He didn't understand, and we don't really get it until a little later, that Han ain't playing fair. Because the gun accident that happened, it shot off his hand. And so he has a different hand attachments. Mostly he wears this fucking cast iron one. Yeah. And that's what he uses to pretty much be... Well, he just not, I don't think he's dead because when he's above the water, I think he's still technically alive. But he beats him into an inch of his life. See, I took it as... Do you think he was dead when he was he, over he the was water? He was dead. Yeah, he, he, Han murdered him because that's all we see. And I don't think he's going to be bobbing up there and waiting for you know, a nondescript government agency to come rescue him. He, he then offers Roper a job in the meantime. Han does. And uh, Diesel, how did you feel about the cat on the guillotine scene? I would have, I did the same thing as Roper, was just like, oh, no, no, fuck that. Get that kitty off of there. So, anyways, you find out the guillotine is just a fucking elevator. And he starts showing him the drugs. He's doing opium and heroin, by the way, but opium is what uh, Roper sees. And he's like, I don't know why you're showing me this. He's like, because I want to offer you a job because I need somebody in the United States and yada, da, da. Well, they come around the corner finally, and there is the body of Williams just strung up above. I'm, a, I'm assuming there's some kind of animals in that. Yeah. I didn't know if piranha or nothing, because nothing moves really. But, no. you know, later on, a guy gets kicked into it by Bruce Lee, and he's fucking gone, too. This is where I started, like, laughing. I was like, well, this is Shades of Austin Powers, because those were fucking sharks with goddamn laser beams. <laughs> it might have been. He it was straight out of a comic book. <laughs> hey, listen, I've been all right with that. Man. Austin Powers borrowed that from... <laughs> From Enter the Dragon, I'm in. So anyways, they drop, you know, Williams in this water and kind of Roper agrees to be a part of their thing. Well, then Lee goes out that night. He finally gets in and infiltrates the shit. Uh, the funny scene with the the, the, the snake is yep. great. So they put a snake over the one entrance to try to deter somebody, a cobra, uh, well, Black Mamba in particular. And, uh, of course, Lee fucking get traps in a bag. And then he uses it later on because he needs to get into the control room. So what does he do? He opens the door, slides the snake in, and he sits there while the guys break the window and jump out. But my favorite part of that always is that Lee is sitting there with the most unamused, like, bored look on his face as the guys jump out of the room. <laughs> and then he goes and sends his telegram, but that alerts everybody. And now he's fighting the shit out. Now, this is a great fight scene in this movie because you get Bruce Lee and his glory yeah. just beating the shit out of people. Yeah. By the way, little hometown story here for us in the 607. So Bruce Lee in that movie uses nunchucks. Bruce Lee did not know how to use the nunchucks prior to shooting that movie. It wasn't one of his... Uh, well, actually, it was a movie before that. I think he used them for the first time. But his biggest scene with them is in that movie, which is really great. Locally, we have a master, uh, a, a karate master named Hadi Ochai. Heidi Ochai actually trained Bruce Lee to use nunchucks. Nice. That was kind of his, you know, whatever. And Heidi Ochai has a great story. Uh, real quick, uh, he was also a Shaolin monk at one point in Juncture. And uh, his master was uh, being planned to be assassinated by another student. And he found out about it, challenged the guy to a fight for, to the death. Uh, Heidi Ochai, you can see the scars. He has a scar where the guy cut him with a katana and almost cut him in half. But as he fell backwards, and this sounds like out of a fucking movie, but it's real because the scars are there. And as he fell back, he flicked his wrist and chopped the fucking guy's head off. So even though he saved his, his uh, master, they still had to send him away yeah. so he wouldn't get charged with murder. <laughs> so he treats karate here in our area, which is fucking a wild-ass story. Nice man, too, though. But it's really weird to see because I never believed the story that I saw without a shirt on and went, oh, shit, there is a fucking literally a cut that goes pretty much <laughs> almost all the way around him. 
Like how he didn't die, no. I don't fucking know. But yeah, I guess the, as the story tells, he flipped his wrist as he went down backwards as the guy pulled the knight uh, the sword out. And cut and just happened to cut his fucking head off, or at least cut it. You know, like I don't know if he got it clean off yeah. or like. No matter what, the dude died. He didn't. He was in the hospital for a while, though, obviously. Uh, but yeah, he taught Bruce Lee to how to use the nunchucks. Uh, previous to this, so pretty awesome. Pretty claim to fame for our area. Woo! We had Bruce Lee here because uh, he did come here to learn. Uh, so, anyways, let's jump back into the movie. Eventually, they trap him in a little area behind doors and Bruce Lee does the most gangster shit of all time. He just sits down, crisscross applesauce yeah. and fucking puts his nunchucks around his neck like sweating profusely because obviously he just whooped the shit out of easily 50 people. <laughs> easily. And that was just an appetizer. And that was, you know, he was still ready to go. If they didn't he trap was. him in that room he would have beat up 50 more. He didn't give a fuck. And of course Han's like, I was going to offer you a job. Like, what made you think this dude who was a Shaolin monk was going to take a job? Yeah, and you're a disgraced Shaolin monk. You're from the same the school. Temple. <laughs> you're from the same temple. You are disgraced. His master hates you. You should have known this was a setup from the start. I'm just throwing it out there. Why would you send an invite to one of your one of the pupils at your old fucking school? <laughs> so basically, uh, they send you know the next morning. Roper comes out. He sees that you know fucking Lee's there, and basically uh, you know Han's like, man, hey, listen, you're gonna take care of this business for us. You want to be part of this? You're gonna take care of this business. And I love how fucking Roper looks at Lee and just goes, you know, when you're talking about lines that you don't cross. This is one of them I'm not crossing. He was smart enough to know he wanted no piece of fucking Lee. So they shove him over to the side. Okay, well, if that's, we'll find somebody else. Bolo, go fight him. And it's funny because Roper's like, nah, I got this. And Roper beats the shit out of Bolo. I just want to throw that out there. Roper to fucks Bolo up. White boy is good at karate, apparently. So then after he fucks Bolo up, that means they got to send all the troops in. So basically it's Roper... And fucking Lee just destroying all these motherfuckers <laughs> at this school. <laughs> but the best part of it is Han does not say to all his students, because this, 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 this island is like a karate academy as well. And all his students, he sends them in waves of three or four. Three or four at a time. time and they yeah. just get walloped. And then three or four more instead of just being like, cat pile, <laughs> dog yeah. pile. Like, well, in the meantime, <laughs> Mei Ling gets the keys. And lets out the prisoners that we found out were downstairs. They 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 all got Shanghai, according to what we found out earlier, uh, which is a, a thing that used to happen. To basically, there used to be like pirates uh, in, in the Asian sea waters, and they would kidnap drunk men from bars and enslave them, pretty much. Uh, so they kind of had these guys, and that, there's no rhyme or reason. They don't really give us a reason they're there. But that's what they're there for, because that, that's the only bit of dialogue we get. And they send, all of a sudden, these motherfuckers are ready, because uh, remember he said, they're all drunk men, they have nothing to live for. Oh no, motherfucker, when they let her out, they were ready to fight. Yep. And they go up and start beating some ass. So now, there's all these this, this oh. giant fight going on. And in the meantime, too, we finally get the the cut over to nondescript government agency guy getting woken up to receiving the telegram. This came 30 minutes ago. Why didn't you wake me up when this came in? <laughs> Calling for the general. Dude, how great is the line, though? When he's like, like, the like, you can't hear the other side, but it's basically, I don't care that he's asleep. Wake him up. And he's like, he's not alone. I don't care that he's not alone. Wake him up. <laughs> it's hilarious. I don't care who he's with. Wake so, him up. So at this time, we know the cavalry is clubbing, but we don't know how long it's going to take. It takes them a while. We'll talk about that in a second. So now Han decides he has to enter this fight. He is now pissed off about Lee, 
and he switches out hands to this like bear claw hand. And <laughs> just made goes, out of wood. It was, yeah, it was, it was, you know, he goes after Lee. He gets him on the face one good time with that. Yeah. But Lee kind of kicks his ass a little bit. So he flees and Lee follows. And they end up in this museum because we see that that's where the guillotine thing was. And once in this museum, I love how he's like fucking with the lock to try to open up his hand weapons. And then finally he's like, oh, fucking breaks the window. I'm like, why didn't you just break the glass to begin with, guy? Especially yeah. since your hand is got metal so you can hook the attachments to it so he breaks in and he gets this like wolverine claw fucking thing yep this and big this, metal this is iconic yeah. yeah and then the fight proceeds i mean he gets bruce lee on the other cheek he ends up getting him on the chest and in the back because they end up in a mirror room yep so the, the, the one wall that he gets they throws the spear into he winds up going through that wall and it spins around and we see a mirrored room and I, I gotta, gotta, you gotta love the throwback from any kung fu movie because as the fight goes on in this mirror room, all of a sudden, Bruce Lee. And by the way, the, my, my favorite part about Bruce Lee in this section is that he makes like the face of like, oh shit, somebody's talking to me. So <laughs> like, like you hear the master's voice. You know, at first, and all of a sudden, did you did you recognize that Bruce Lee all of a sudden just like turns his head? He's like, Who the fuck is talking to me? And master, like, oh, are you there? Oh, it is the master. He's talking to me. He's like, are he's, you a force ghost? <laughs> which is weird because he's just remembering a conversation they had earlier about if you destroy, you know, that somebody like him is about vanity. If you destroy the image, you'll destroy the man. So basically, it tells him just to start punching the fucking glass because obviously, yeah. if there's no cracks in the in the image, it's the real person. <laughs> and I thought it was ingenious, but it was kind of funny how we get there because he's like he does he like reacts like somebody's actually talking to him. I'm like, did they not tell him he shouldn't have reacted to that? Like, <laughs> do they pipe in the uh, the speech from earlier? Yeah, and then they fucking <laughs> so then uh, he kicks Han's ass, and when he gives him that final kick, what happens to Han? Ron? He done darn fall into the pit of water again right no no, no, no. He, the the, oh. the spear that was through oh, the wall very, yeah that's right he gets impaled yeah right in the heart <laughs> my favorite part about those when bruce lee walks out like a stone cold pimp he walks right by him and it's on a, it's a revolving door so he walks by and pushes it and then they stay on the door as it revolves around and you just see this motherfucker hanging on it i i don't know i love that scene i love that shot the entire like climax mirror scene because they were fighting for quite some time before the 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 audio comes back in from earlier where he gets, he knows how he has to defeat him. Those scenes were fucking shot beautifully. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great the, fight. This was one of the biggest highlights of this movie was oh. that scene right there. Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely agree. It's one of the, it, to this day, it kind of stands, it stands yeah. the test of time. It's an amazingly shot fight scene. It's choreographed beautifully. It's shot beautifully. Yeah. And it looks amazing. So, I love how we end the movie kind of on a high note or kind of a, I don't know how you want to call it, kind of a funny note. Because all of a sudden before Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee walks out and then it cuts back to the courtyard where everybody's fighting. And it looks like the uh, guys who were kidnapped and uh, Roper have won the day because you see a bunch of the, the guys who got, got were in prison. They've like got the, the ones that aren't knocked out or dead of the, the students and they're like putting him up against the wall kicking him in the ass. Did you notice that? The one guy's like kicking him in the fucking ass. It's hilarious. <laughs> and then... Like, it goes over, and Roper just looks like, um, you know, he's, he's got his Danny Glover moment. He just looks like, man, he's beat up a little bit. You know he fucked people up, but he's, like, beat up a little bit. He's just like, fuck, why did I get myself into? <laughs> and he looks over, and his hot piece of ass is dead, and he's like, ah. He gets that moment where he's like, fuck. But just as he does that, Leap comes out of the one entranceway. He looks over, and Roper catches his eye, and he looks at Roper, and he gives him the thumb up. And Roper, like, oh, fuck that bitch, and gives the thumbs up to Bruce Lee. And then as that happens, here comes the cavalry. <laughs> <Calvary. laughs> and then in the weirdest thing ever, the camera focuses on that bare hand, 
And it just says the end. And that's yeah. how the movie actually ends. That I just I, I never liked that as the ending. I will say that. Yeah, and then Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. It just says the end and then it goes to the credits. Yeah. It, like it sits there and there's some music and then it fades to the credits. Yeah. And you're just like Hey, there's not a better way to end this movie. Like it's such an epic movie up until that point. It doesn't ruin the movie. But it's like there's a lot of epic feels to this film, especially how big budgeted for like most kung fu movies, especially made the the ones that were that we got over from China, which is what where Bruce Lee like made him famous, and they brought them over here. A lot of those kung fu flicks were shot for like no money, yeah, yeah. and that's why they made a shit ton of money. Uh, the producers in Hong Kong, I should say Hong Kong, because it wasn't that's back when Br- the British controlled Hong Kong, so it wasn't really the Chinese government, but that's where they shot the the movies was in Hong Kong, and so when you when you see those movies like Fist of Fury and shit like that that came out beforehand, there was no budget in those films. They still look good, but there was no budget in those films. And then they would make a shit ton of money on distribution. This movie at 850K was a lot of budget for a fucking kung fu flick because what they did was they had uh, U.S. companies produce this film. And one of the weirdest... Uh, I'll get to that in my likes and dislikes. So, like, but here's the thing. It just looks weird. So it's a kind of like an epic film because they could get away with more because... They had more money. Yeah. So that's why you had so many extras and you had these big fight scenes where Bruce Lee's beating up 50 people at a time. Yeah. It's just it's just epic. So now that we've ran through the movie, let's talk <laughs> likes and dislikes. I'm going to start with a basic one before I pass it around to you guys because this is funny. And this is this will show you why I love Kung Fu Flicks. So one of the things that you got to love about Kung Fu Flicks is they're dubbed. You could get subtitled ones. I prefer dubbed movies. This movie... Although it was an American produced movie, has dubbed moments in it. Yes. Because there is Asian actors who get dubbed. The the master at the Shaolin Temple is dubbed. Although every blind that Bruce Lee does there is all him. And you know, you can yeah. tell because you watch the mouth. <laughs> but the master is dubbed. I just thought it was weird how I liked it though, because it was like, okay, you mixed in some of what we're used to in Kung Fu movies. Yes. But because it was an American produced movie, there's some English speaking too. Han is also dubbed in yes. that movie. So it's kind of like interesting. And I, I just kind of like I dug that, believe it or not, just because I'm a I'm a Kung Fu movie fan. I like dubbed Kung Fu movies. I actually enjoyed that. I'm also gonna get the ones out of the way before us. I did like the soundtrack. I thought it was really good. I thought the score to this movie is great. It, the the beats come in when they need to. The fight choreography is next level. And I think the cinematography in this movie was amazing. Yes. Uh, you know, you could judge some other things, but the cinematography itself is amazing. We'll go with Ron first. What are some likes for Enter the Dragon? It, like it gives you the the basic like you said it breaks in the beginning it starts off hot then it goes into uh you know why you know a little little bit of why Lee's going it, do, it doesn't really matter why why it's a little cliche but whatever why he's going but then you get the flashback of Lee then you get the flashback of Rupert and you get the flashback uh, of Williams there so it's it's like it's it, it gives you just enough information of the three the three heroes that you need and it moves seamlessly for only an 99 yeah. minutes which and everything flows in this movie so well I like that you said that because that's one of the things I think is a big positive this movie it doesn't waste any fucking time yeah. <laughs> like they're, they're like we're only going to tell you the information like there's some of it you're like man I wish I knew more about something but at the same time you're like nah it didn't matter <laughs> they gave you exactly the information you needed to move the story forward yeah. they don't go into anything extra there's yeah. no other <laughs> subplots this is the information you need to go to point A. and you're like as a movie buff, you're like, okay, I would like some extra subplot, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I gotta love a movie that fucking is like, here's point A, here's point B, and we're just giving you the information yeah. to get you there, and it's it all makes sense, 
in that realm. Yeah. If you go into anything extra, it gets a little whatever, but they never planned for it. They men literally are going to take you through 99 minutes of from here to here. That's yep. it. And I like, I honestly, I dug that. Yeah. We're it's, missing that. No, that's, that's why what, people are putting stuff in movies and making them 200 minutes long. Yeah. And that's that, what makes this movie feel so good because it's just, it's, it flows great. I mean, it, and it's shot very well. Like the little bit of comedy that's in it, like Roper showing up with seventy-two freaking bags, like he's got freaking. <laughs> he's got like fifteen rickshaws coming yeah. behind him, <laughs> <laughs> all carrying his bags while he's in one, and then he's got he got the chick in the chick boat taking him to the boat with all his bags on it. And, and, and even better, if you notice, every other fighter has one bag. Yeah. yeah, they all carry their own bag, and then when they get to the island, there's like fifteen or twenty students carrying his bags, yeah. <laughs> which is a comedy point of this whole oh, thing. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it, and it fits. I think Williams was also good guy. Some okay. comedy is there too. He has some really wise crack remarks. Yeah. Even Bruce Lee, though. Bruce Lee has his. He does the normal Bruce Lee, where once again, like when O'Hara first comes out, he breaks a board, and of course, you get Bruce Lee going, <laughs> "Boards do Don't not hit back," <laughs> and you're just like, "Oh fuck yeah!" That's like, like, and some people, are like, oh, that's not funny, but it's Bruce. If you understand Bruce Lee, that is a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was cool. Diesel, you got some likes. All right, going with the, the standard stuff. I loved how the final act was shot. Like. That mirror room, again, I, I'll keep harping on it. Shot beautifully. You could not see any cameras. And when you're dealing with that many mirrors, like to be able to hide cameras and keep showing your actors in such a way was phenomenal. The fight scenes were great in this movie. With a special shout out to the O'Hara fight scene because Bruce Lee was not fucking around. No. Oh, no. That was that was like one of those. <laughs> that was... Usually in Bruce Lee movies, there's some giving, there's yeah. some like uh, good both ways. Yeah. That fucking scene just proved like, nope, well, I'm just taking you out. And he fucking just destroys it. And then going back to like the reason why like we would find out that his sister dies, I really like the scene where he's at the graves and he's like, please find it in yourselves to forgive me for what I'm about to do. And yeah. you're just like, oh, this motherfucker knows he's going to be murdering people. Oh, oh, he's definitely killing that dude. Like, he, <laughs> yeah. That's why I said earlier when we were saying about like, oh, you know, they don't really set up. I'm like, no, no, no. It pays off because yeah. he, you know, he's going to kill that mother. Yeah. When you see he go, him go against him, you're like, oh, that dude's dead. Yeah. And, you know, because they, they set this guy up so well, too, in the beginning, like when they were showing him film, they're like, this is his bodyguard. This is, you know, the most dangerous man's bodyguard. And it shows all the footage of him, you know, Getting fucking people all bricks, working yeah. on him. And you're just like, they built this guy up, and you're just like, oh, this is going to be a good fight. And to just see Bruce Lee just be like, oh, bitch, I ain't even wasting my time with you. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of makes Bruce Lee look that more yeah. of a badass, which is good in this movie. Yes. That's, like, sometimes you're like, oh, man, it's overkill. But in this movie, it sets yeah, it, it up like he is a bad motherfucker. Yeah. He ain't fucking around. Fuck you. I'm going to kill you. I love it. And that's love why it. I enjoyed that a lot. <laughs> uh, something like that. I like all you guys' likes. Uh, honestly, the story for the most part, Doug, I mean, there is parts we're we'll talking about in a minute where you're like, eh. But, like, if you think about it, it's got a basic story. You know, he's sent there. To, to spy on it there's some personal some personal beef he settles that personal beef while doing it getting the job done at the end of the day it's good versus evil yeah. and it works out uh, and I, so i enjoy that because like like ron said it's just like literally it, there's no wasted steps this is going to take me into a dislike i as a movie viewer i do like the sub journeys it, 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 and in this movie, that does not exist. And even when they introduce something that's kind of a sub journey, you know they're not going to pay it off because it doesn't fucking matter because it's not part of the main storyline. They're just about that main storyline. And like I said, there's something nice about that, and there's something I like about that. But there's also something I'm like, man, I'd like to flush out Roper a little more. Yeah, I'd like to flush out Williams a little more. Like I, you could have, this movie was so good that you could have literally added more time to this fucking movie. Like, you could have added another hour, I think. And I still would have been like, 
I love this fucking no. movie. <laughs> like, like every t- movie I bitch about, I'm like, man, they got to cut time on it. This movie, man, I watched this movie, and like I said, I'm just a big kung fu fan. But on top of it, they're just between the stuff that's captivating you, and they hit the action scenes almost perfect. Like, you have dialogue for this time to build what you need, and then there's an action scene. And then there's dialogue, and then that. But they hit the beats so quick that you don't realize what's going on. You're just like, this is great. Yeah. And I, I think this is a movie where I'm actually complaining the other way out of dislike is that, man, I wish they would have gotten some subplots to give me more movie. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we, we could have gotten a sequel maybe, but obviously, yeah. dude, the, the light gray Bruce Lee died before that could happen. But whew, that's, that's one of my dislikes. But we'll go uh, reverse order, Diesel, dislikes for this film. <laughs> to, to add on to that, I have a specific example. <laughs> While on the boat, they bet on the praying mantis fight. That's true. And Lee wins money off of Roper. 100 bucks. It comes up a couple times throughout the movie. You're going to give me a chance to win that money back, right? And then it just dies off. There is no payoff yeah. for that. You know, instead of the thumbs up, that would have been a better ending if he walked over and just Bruce Lee gave him the 100 bucks. <laughs> like, here you go. Thanks for helping. Thanks, you know, thanks guy. So you, you have, like, all these little subplots that were just like, like you said, like it started form and then just nothing happened. Well, think about the badass dude on the boat that he puts out into the water. The only the only other time we see him is he fights Williams and Williams beats his ass. Beats his ass. Yeah. Like he doesn't even look like a threat. Yeah, and he was like the baddest motherfucker from New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> um, another dislike. It was just, it was just really weird. Like I knew you have to personalize a situation, so you have to have something with a sister. But he had already agreed, so it made no sense to be like, all right, yeah, I'm going to go. And now I find out that this man killed my sister. Yeah. Wait, only, you didn't know your sister died? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> well, she killed herself, technically. But, but because died. of this guy. Because of this guy. Uh, I agree with you, but I also I also can play devil's advocate here. Once again, talking about how they don't pay anything off except for the main yeah. story. Is that it does work out because that is what leads you to that badass fight with O'Hara because it's a badass fight even though it's one-sided it's just show you know you're so used to seeing a competitive fight and like you said they set it up like that and then they switch it and it just basically is there to be like fuck this Bruce Lee's a bad motherfucker and I like that so so I give it a little bit of a I understand what you're saying I just give it a little (laughs) bit of a pass because it gives a payoff and then again with how short this movie was all of a sudden you know you have the first day of you know the tournament and then all of a sudden you know he's sneaking around and you're just like all right figure over the course of the tournament, maybe this will be exposed. Oh no! Day two, there was like one of you guys was not pleased with our hospitality, <laughs> and then the second night, we're we're right in. We we found everything right. out. It was like they could have dragged out the little oh, evil sinister subplot a little bit more. <laughs> I agree. I, once again, it goes to the point yeah. that I would have liked to see more of this movie. But I, how great is that villain speech? Of, villainy speech of this like somebody was not happy with our hospitality. <laughs> it's a great villain yeah. speech. And then just like. Our guards will have to pay for that. <laughs> they failed, so they'll have to pay for that. It's like fuck. That dude's a villain. Like a deep. And how bad? Listen, if you're the hero of this movie, Bruce Lee, looking at you, brother. Like you just watch those guys die. You, think about it. Nobody left in the figure. Those dudes just got brutally murdered in front of all of you. Nobody was like, you know, I feel bad. That's because of me. That that's on me, dog. <laughs> no, because if they didn't get it there, he was gonna fucking get him with a cobra the next day. <laughs> it just the, once we got into like the the Bond villain plot line, it was just like a little too fast. By the way, Han would make would have well, yeah. made a great Bond villain. Yeah. I think that's what they based it yeah. off because of, Bond movies had been out by this point. So I think that that's what they did. A great Could Bond villain, oh, by the way. Without What's without cool? a doubt, because you have the scene with him the, with a cat. You get the reveal of the cast metal hand, and you're just like. 
oh, what the fuck is up with this guy? He's a fucking Bond yeah. villain. You know what they should have done? They should have played like a, a, a version of the... Just to fuck with it. Just get a little Bond behind the background. Any other dislikes? These no, nope, that's pretty much it. Like I did have a lot of fun with this. Ronald, what did you uh, have for dislikes? It, I mean, besides what Diesel said, there's uh, just a couple editing points that you see through this movie, but it's 1972, 73, yeah, yeah. and it's it's what it's any and it's a kung fu movie. Like they're all have these editing points, so it's, it doesn't really kill the movie. Mm-hmm. But you you. Going back and watching them, you're just like, oh, that's what. The, but it's it's not horrible. Yeah, one of the first transitions too, when he did the the wavy you know flashback scene, and then it just did a cut. Like it wasn't a cut, but it just the, a the panda fade. side. Yeah, it was just like, get. Uh, it was probably new editing, it, like cuts and all that, but it did not work for it that. Was, it wasn't worse than some of the edits in fucking Underworld. I just oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I will say this. Uh, one thing is, I, I think I forgive a lot of that just like you did a yeah. minute ago, Ron, because my wife, you know, she's not a big movie person. She doesn't I even listen to the podcast, but a lot of times she'll ask me what I thought about a movie after I watched, and she knew I was watching. I was excited because I've yeah. always been a big Enter the Dragon fan. I was nervous that I was going to hate the movie, so I was in there watching, and when I get done, I'm talking to her about it because uh, she asked, and she goes, you know what I really like? And she was like, and it's, you know, obviously I don't listen to the show or anything, but I, what I like when you talk to me about it, and I'm sure you do it there too, you understand about putting a movie in its time frame. Like, you're not yeah. like, oh, I'm going to judge this movie based upon today's standards. Because there's, there's you can't. Like, even, I'm, I watched it in fucking 4K high def, okay? And, like, it still looks like a movie from 1973, but it should. Yeah. It yeah. should, because it's a movie from 1973. And I'm going to say this, for 1973... A lot of that shooting, just like Jaws, which would be made two years later in 1975, or even the next year with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and go back and watch any of those great movies, I think the shooting in those movies is on par or better than now. Yes, the film looks a little more degraded because they were actually shooting on film. But at the same point in Juncture, it looks good, the cuts. And like Diesel pointed out, the fact that in 1973, they were able to do a complete mirror room scene, and you don't see a single camera person. You don't yeah. see a single gaffer. You don't see yeah. a single microphone. Like, that is amazing. Yeah. Because now, even in 2023, where we can computer remove shit, we, we, get Star- we get Starbucks co- coffee cups during the fucking Game of Thrones. Yeah. Remember that whole thing? Or plastic water bottles. Well, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Because they can forget to take them out. Yeah. And planes in the like, background of Troy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or or the, the gas canisters for the the chariots and yeah. Gladiator yeah. and stuff like that. Like, and I'm not shitting on it. I'm just saying, think about that. In 73, they were, you know, doing awesome things out there and making shit happen. Like, Gil Hubs get, needs to get yeah. crops for that. Because that's a hard scene to shoot. Yeah. Like, that mirror scene? That would be hard to shoot, scene to shoot now. Let yeah. alone in 73, where you can't computer remove things. The closest thing I've seen to something like that was actually one of the movies we were big on last night in Soho with how they shot some of the mirror scenes in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's wild, man. Yeah. But kudos and to, to do it on film. Oh, yeah, to do it on film without computer removing? Oh. Yeah. So if there was a mess up, you had to hand cut it and then make it look good sticking it yeah. together? You got to give it props. But I digress. Yeah, overall... I don't have that many complaints. I I, yeah, I, yeah. I I go with some of your guys as well. Very entertaining, those. But now that we have given our thoughts on the movie and reviewed it, it is now time to find out what the scores from around the internet are. And you know how we like to do it. We like to do it like this. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> That's right, it's time to play the game, and Ron is your reigning champion. Can he defend the crown, or will Diesel win it back? 
It's simple. People the, got this one. The game is played simply like this. We are going to give scores from around the internet. Both the gentlemen are going to guess the scores. It's Price is Right rules. Closest to the number without going over. Unless, unless... It is the final question, and that can be used as a tiebreaker. And in that case, it's the closest number because we don't do ties, and sometimes it's worth two points if these gentlemen uh, bust too many times. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, with that being said, it's time to play the game. Gentlemen, are you ready? Yes. It's time to enter the diesel. Enter the diesel. Well, ooh, whoa. Scientology that, way. That sounds that sounds like an X. That sounds like an X-rated film. All right, Diesel, you're up first because you're the challenger. IMDb out of ten using points. What did they give? Enter the dragon. 7.8. Ooh, that's one. Ron. Shit. Higher or lower? I think he's on I think he's on the money. I think he's right there. <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to go one just to hedge my bet, hedge but I bet? think I think he's right on. Well, with that hedging of the bet, Ron gets the point cuz he was slightly over 7.6 out of 10. Oh. So he was slightly over. So good put, yeah. good job of going one. I was worried you're going to go with eight. <laughs> Next up, Metacritic and you go first, Ron. Out of 100%, remind you, this is only critics. Out of 100%, what did they give Enter the Dragon? 72. Diesel. 73. Ooh, Ooh he thinks it's going to be higher. I think it's going to be higher. And it pays off, by the way, 83%. Oh, wow. That's high. Well, that's really high. Okay, we've got to keep that in mind. Ready yeah. for this? Metacritic at 83%. Wow. That's crazy. That might be the highest Metacritic score we've ever seen. Uh, it's up there. I think <laughs> yeah. we've seen it's some right around there. Yeah, it's right. I think it's... Ooh. I think we might have seen one at 84. I'm just not remembering which one, but I, I, it's I, up there. I would never have gone that high. All right. Uh, Diesel, you get to go first here. This is the Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Out of 100%, what did they give uh, Enter the Dragon? 79. Ron. I'll gamble one. <laughs> 79, one, and Diesel gets the point, 89%. 89% for the Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Diesel, gambling. you are up two to one. If you can get this next question, you win the game. Ron, though, you get to go first. Rotten Tomatoes fan score. Out of 100%, what did they give? Enter the Dragon. 88. Diesel. I think this is going to be one of the rare things where the critics are higher than the fans. So I'm going to go one because I think 88 is too close to the critic score. And I think it's going to be a lot lower for the fan score. All right. Well, let's see if I that didn't pays matter where off. I went. Let's see if that pays off. And you know what? It doesn't. Ron gets the point. 91%. Oh, wow. Okay. 91%. So gentlemen, <laughs> it is now time for the dreaded Google users. <laughs> and it's closest, hey, closest to the number is the winner. And it's for all the marbles. So ready? Google users. Out of 100% diesel, you're the challenger. You go first. Out of 100% Google users, what did they give? Enter the dragon. 93. 93. Ron, are you going higher or lower? 92. So if it's anything above 93 and above, diesel wins. Anything below 92, Ron wins. And, of course, we know there's a victor, so let's cue that music. Your winner. Still champion, Ron. By the way, your logic it paid oh, off here. Google users, 80%. Oh, Jesus. Somehow Google users are the, it's the lowest, well, not counting the IMDb, yeah, which yeah. 7.6 is still a great IMDb score. It's the lowest score out of the percentage ones. Yep. Which is weird. Yeah, that's really weird. I don't understand what yeah. the, what about this movie would make people not like it on Google, but on Rotten Tomatoes, they love it and everywhere else. Bottom, no. <laughs> a lot of dirty Han lovers out there. Yeah, they love that. They love that Han. 
they they were like they they were into that sexy Bond villain vibe, I guess. I don't know. But uh, with that, gentlemen, Ron retains the championship this week as he squeaks another victory out. Diesel, you'll have next week to come back from the jaws of defeat. But before we can get to that, it is now time for us to finally give our scores for Enter the Dragon. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. That's right, and uh, our scores are simple. We're going to give you our nerd score first, followed by my critic score. And, of course, the nerd score is on the nerd scale, and the nerd score is a recommendation score where we take our critic score and we mix it with an entertainment score, and that's what gives us the nerd score. So the movie could could be critically not great, but if it's entertaining, it might get a higher grade, and vice versa. The nerd scale has five parts and five parts alone. A one on the nerd scale is no. That means this is a terrible movie that you should never watch. A two is you've been warned. That means it's not terrible, but it ain't good. So you've been warned not to watch it. A three is, ah, it's good. That means it's, you know, an average film, average kind of good. You're not going to go out and buy it. You're not going to go and see it in the theater if it gets re-released. You're, but you watched it. You don't regret seeing it, but you probably will never watch it again. Uh, four is just take my money. This is if it goes to the theater or if it's a new movie, go see it in the theater. You can feel free to rent it. You might even want to buy it and add it to your collection. You'll probably watch it again, you know, at some point in junction in your life. You might not add it to your rotation, but you at least like it. Very good to great film. And last but not least, the rarefied air is certified nerd. These are for the legendary movies. Think Jaws, Jurassic Park, and that ilk. These are movies that you're going to add to your collection. You're going to go see them again. You might even buy multiple versions, especially if it's a 50-year-old movie. And I'll tell you, this is the creme de la creme. So it's time to give our scores. We're going to start with Ron. Ron, what is your nerd score for Enter the Dragon and why? It's a five. Audience, say it with me. Legendary. It's quintessential kung fu movies. It's Bruce Lee at his finest. It is a solid movie. Is you know, like it says, 1973. And it hits all the points that you want. I was not upset that I had to watch this. I think it was the first time I've watched it in its entirety, not on, like, a syndicated TV show. No. Or TV. Gotcha. So I think it was, like, the first time I've watched it as a movie. Because I know I didn't own it. And, like, I mean, other watching it on, you know, USA or whatever random channel, cable channel that had it. You know, I think this was the first time I've actually watched it beginning to end as a movie. And I wasn't upset with it. I, I remember everything in it. I remember seeing everything in it. I just was not upset about rewatching it. I enjoyed it. Probably could see me watching it once a year again. Like it is a solid movie. It is Bruce Lee, and it, it's not. It's, it's you're in and out, and it gives you all the information you need. Mm-hmm. And I was not upset about this. All right, Diesel is down. Your turn. What is your nerd score for Enter the Dragon, and why? All right, I've actually landed on a four. Show me the money. I think I might be the low one here. I do think this was a great movie. I think it's one of the most influential movies when it comes to the genre of getting karate and kung fu into America. However, I think the story itself was rushed, and there was a lot that held it back. I think it's one of the more overrated movies in the eyes of reviewers, but it's still a great movie. So that's why I landed at a four. Well... You can go with overation, but I'll just go in there. I gave it a five. Let's be honest. Audience, say it with me. Legendary. Listen, I, I, I when you get to my critic score, you'll see there is problems with this movie. But it's for the most. But here's the thing: at the end of the day, it checks all the boxes as far as technical stuff. It also checks all the boxes as far as a good short story gets you in, gets you out. The action's great. 
the base story itself is actually good. Like, yes, I would like a little deeper dive. It would have it would have been better if it was longer. I got it. That would only affect the critic score, though. But when I think about like kung fu movies, and I love a lot of kung fu movies. I love Death Game, which is the last Bruce Lee flick. Although it is pieced together. I like I love Fist of Fury. I love a lot of the drunken the drunken master movie from Jackie Chan. I love Jet Li's movies. He did the Legend movies. I love all of those movies. I'm I'm a big fan of the genre. There's so many great movies, but I feel like they all took something from this film. Yeah. And I think action movies as a whole, because you would go on and you would get the movies uh, here in the States with Chuck Norris, which he did do a movie with yeah. Bruce Lee back in the day, but you would get the movies later on with Chuck Norris that would incorporate this more. And then later on with Jean-Claude Van Damme and all that stuff. Those movies don't exist if you don't have Enter the Dragon. And I think that's where its real importance is on top of it being a good movie. It's great watch. I'll throw it out this. I told Ron this already, so he already probably knew my score earlier. As soon as I was done watching this movie, because it had been in its entirety. I've seen bits and pieces. I've also caught this movie a lot in pieces. But I've seen this movie in its entirety probably no less than 30 times in my life. But I've also caught it a million and a half times, just like a piece here, a piece there, whatever, whatever. The last time I saw this movie in its entirety, though, had to have been close to like seven or eight years ago. So I was real nervous because the last movie I saw seven or eight years ago did not live up to what I remembered. <laughs> so I was like, and that happens more often than not. So I'm like, man, I'm going to fucking, it's going to ruin my my Enter the Dragon. And I watched this movie. I was giddy as a child. I think that's why I forgave a lot of stuff. I was as giddy as I've ever was watching the movie. I was into it, even though I know exactly what the next scene is going to be. I'm like into the movie. I'm ready to go. And as soon as this movie ended, I went on to Amazon and I purchased the 4K Blu-ray 50th anniversary edition of this movie. Uh, it's only 23 bucks if anybody wants to go check it out. It's on Prime DSS. <laughs> So there you go. I, I, I so that is the de- to me that is the definition of a five. I wanted to make sure because I have the blue. I have the DVD, not a Blu-ray. I have a DVD version of this. It was like I think it was like the 25th anniversary or whatever. So I'm like I want to own it to the 50th anniversary and have it on a Blu-ray yeah. and 4K and I'm, you know <laughs> it doesn't really change the movie too much. But it's an amazing movie in my opinion. On my ner- on my critic score, I give it a seven and a half. And that's low usually for uh, a five. Usually that's going to get you there. But once again, the entertainment level takes us the rest of the way. And the reason I say that is there is the things that, you know, there's some random shit in this movie that you're like, huh? (laughs) And, you know, like it doesn't take you out of the movie, but you also go, huh? So I can understand Diesel giving it a four. Because by my critic score, it is a four. It's actually a good four, but it's a four. But I just feel like that entertainment takes it to that next level. If you're adding the entertainment, that's where that score comes in, where the nerd score comes in. If you once I ended my entertainment level and sitting there watching this giddy like a kid, it's a nine all day. Yeah. So I'm just like, you know, and I realize, but critically, when you're giving it a critic score, I realize it's not as good as Jaws. You know, which is yeah. Jaws is probably my highest graded score, as we all know, at a nine and a half. I know we're going to do that movie in two years. And I keep spoiling it. But let's be honest. A nine and a half is the highest I'll ever go, and I think Jaws is pretty much at that at precipice. Yeah. I think Jaws, in my opinion, is one of, if not the greatest movie I ever made. Uh, so I guess that spoils it for in 2025 when we <laughs> review Jaws. But I think we're all on that because we've yeah. been using it forever. Yeah. We're just waiting to do it on its 50th anniversary. Because why the fuck not, right? Yeah. But you know, and going to the full dive. But the the thing of the matter is. What this lacks in some of the things that aren't perfect, as far as critic score, it picks up in entertainment. And I think the fight scenes and the it, it, like, the way they're shot is just so... Like I said, this movie feels like an epic movie. The way it's shot, it makes it feel like an epic. Like that fight scene in the in the, the dungeon, if you will, when he literally takes out 50 plus guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're just like, as you're watching, and he does it barehanded, then he does it with weapons, and he does it with a bunch of different weapons. And you're just like, wow, you're just... It just was shot like an epic film. And even that the, the fight scene outside, when they're outside, that's shot like an epic film. And then 
I don't think you get a better one-on-one fight shooting wise Corey, from the choreography through the way it was shot than the final fight between Han and Lee. I think that that fight scene, you know, there's been some that have been better over the years as far as like, oh, we added this or that or you know, it's a little more you know, shazaz, you know, pizzazz, if you will. It's not even so much the the fight itself; it's the way it was shot with technology to increase it now. Like, the filming capabilities are so much better than they were back in 73, right. so you can do so much more. But that fight scene is, like, epic. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you're into it. You feel that fight scene. And it's it's, it's a lot of it. Is the the choreography is good, but uh, you're right. A lot of it's the shooting of it. They shoot in such a way that you're, like, you're intrigued and enthralled about yeah. it. Because at the end of the day, it's still a kung fu film. So, you know, you're working with a guy like Bruce Lee who had to go half speed just so the camera could catch his hand motions. Yeah. So you're kind of like, okay. You know, that's real stuff. I mean, I know there's a lot of bragging out there about Bruce Lee and the legend of Bruce Lee, but there's certain things that stand to be true. And it's the same with Jet Li. That was the biggest problem they had with filming with Jet Li is that he had to slow things down so much just so they could catch the hand motions. And that's what happens when you have guys who were trained from a young age to to basically be kung fu masters. Yeah. It's amazing. So I love this movie. If you've never seen it, I think from the gushing, even Diesel, being on the low end and you're still giving it a four, I think that just speaks volumes to this movie. And like I said, even at a seven and a half, it's why it's a five on the nerd scale because that entertainment just takes it to the next level. And I have always been entertained by this movie. And even like the little jokes in it. Like it's not like an overly funny movie, but there is these little just, and you you catch yourself, you just do a little chuckle. Like, hey, that's funny. Like it's not meant to, because it's not meant to be over the top. The the cell phone or the, the, Car phone in the, in the golf cart. In the golf cart. It's just a rotary old phone. But that line was great. Yeah. How much money do I have in my account? $56. You know what? I'm going. You can keep it. I think you need it more than I do. <laughs> oh, she burned him. That's your assistant. You know? It's so funny. Or like I said, with yeah. the Williams thing, when the women come in, you, you, I just love it. And to all you ladies, don't feel insulted. I'm actually just rather tired, so I can't. I know I can't service you all. <laughs> and you're just like, he takes four girls, and there's like out of six. You're like, ah, oh, Jesus, it's insane. But uh, now uh, that's going to bring us to the end of that's the end of the review here, the three FM Movie Club review of Enter the Dragon. If you would like to share your uh, thoughts on Enter the Dragon, hit us up on those social medias and or any or the email or anything else. You can do that by going to 3fnpodcast.com. That's got all the links and the hookups. But, Ron, I believe you now have some business to attend to. Five out of ten stars. How did this become popular? I get that it may appeal to underdeveloped children, but the majority of you are grown adults with fully functioning brains. I remember watching this movie on the big screen back in the early 2000s, and I fell asleep. I rewatched it today, and I watched it all the way through, even though I was bored out of my mind. The acting was nothing worth bragging about. The visual effects was not particularly good, even for its time. The story was cliche, and the characters were one-dimensional. Honestly, the only thing good about this movie was the score by John Williams. They say that the sequels are better, darker, and more mature, but after watching this, I can't find the motivation to watch more. I've seen all I need to see. Overrated. Plain overrated. Five out of ten stars. Harry Potter just sucks, people. So this adult bitched about adults watching this movie and then made it a point to be like, I watched this movie. All the way through. What? Fuck. And still gave it a five out of five and say it's horrible. They don't know how ratings work. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Of course, we'll be back next week to review the brand new Sylvester Stallone vehicle, Expendables 4. And of course, for us that are going to the theater with Diesel on this Thursday or whatever day we're going to go, I'm assuming Thursday, and you have to see him just 
kind of make hand motions at the screen like why the fuck is this a thing uh, i wish i could videotape that for the rest of you one day i'll figure out a way to do it but uh, until next week when you get to find out all the things that he said what the fuck about in expendables 4 for myself and the guys take care of yourselves take care of each other and most importantly later nerds later williams was a goddamn og pimp Harry Potter just sucks people. <laughs>